0: Listening to the Testudo Times Podcast, the official podcast of SB Nation's Maryland Terrapins
1: Colossus.
0: And welcome back to the Testudo Times Podcast, episode 39, Maryland basketball season has fallen off a cliff. Dave Tucker, Maryland's basketball season has fallen off a cliff, and you can give me no evidence to the contrary whatsoever.
1: Um, it's falling, but it hasn't hit the ground and completely shattered yet.
0: Oh, it's close. If you read most Maryland fans on Twitter, it's already hit the ground and splattered into a million pieces. Because (laughs) getting blown out in in assembly hall in Bloomington is apparently the end of the world. (laughs) I'm just trying to act like a typical Maryland fan. I've got to act the part if I'm hosting a podcast about Maryland sports, right? Right. Yeah. But joining us today, special guest, he's been on the podcast once when we started the Big Ten conference season to talk about how the conference lay of the land was going to shake out. And Thomas Bendit is now back. And Thomas, I went back and listened to our show from December a couple of minutes before we started recording. God, that was two and a half months ago. It feels like it was yesterday. And (laughs) most of what we said in that show did not actually happen.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, so goes the Big Ten season, I guess.
0: Maybe the conference is better than we thought it was, or it's worse, or college basketball on the whole is not very good. Uh, what? What's the general explanation for chaos, I guess?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think that's, that's a general sense across the country is just yeah, unpredictable play, uh, teams that look good for a week and then look terrible. But um, I, I think as far as the Big Ten goes, it, it's really a mix of Uh, good, kind of okay, and absolutely horrible. Um, And uh, luckily the Big Ten has more of the good and okay teams than the absolutely horrible teams.
0: But the two absolutely horrible teams drag down the entire bunch. Yep, yep. (laughs) Oh, those two are amazing. And Maryland lost to one of them. Anyway, Uh, Dave... And, uh, Thomas, excuse me, let's recap Maryland's last two games quickly. I don't think there's much to say about Illinois other than Maryland actually blew out a team they're supposed to blow out. That was kind of nice.
1: Yeah, it was good to see them um, play well like that at home. On senior night, uh, Jake Lehman had a great game. Um, It was good to send those guys out on a high note. I think they were looking for a game like that and once again gave us hope that maybe they'd Turn the proverbial corner and were ready to hit March with a huge stride. But then the Indiana game happened. And honestly, Maryland, I mean, they did, I mean, they lost that game by 18 points. But they did a lot of good things in that game. And Indiana just did a lot of things a lot better.
0: We'll get to that game shortly. But the one thing about the Illinois game that was amazing was Jake Lehman's grandmother dabbed. Unintentionally or intentionally, I have no idea, but she dabbed. That's the most memorable part of that game for me, isn't it?
1: and Grandma. Uh,
0: that's going to be a meme on the internet soon if it hasn't already become one. Although I guess the meme time frame for it to become viral probably passed a while ago. We're recording this Tuesday night, the week after it's happened. But yeah, the Illinois game was kind of boring because Maryland destroyed them. But another white guy who doesn't usually play well played well. Maverick Morgan, that was hilarious. Oh, well. It's going to be a trend, and it's going to happen again in March, so I've already mentally prepared myself. But now we should talk about Indiana. Maryland actually started that game pretty well. They were hitting shots. Jake Lehman was doing some good things defensively. Maryland was getting offensive rebounds, and then they just gradually got overwhelmed by a Hoosiers team that is amazing to think that they lost to Wake Forest earlier on this season. Wake Forest is already out of the ACC tournament. They finished uh, 14th in the conference, excuse me. They're already out, and Indiana lost to them in November. It's weird, but on the Maryland side, Dave, what were the things you liked about that game and the things that are giving you hope for the conference tournament? Uh,
1: I think the single biggest thing I liked from that game was Mellow Trimble, to me, looked better than he has in a long time. Um, It it was just, you saw kind of vintage tremble in some of the shots that he was taking and making and his willingness to drive to the hoop and score. Some of those things are just things you haven't seen from him lately. Uh, He had a couple pull-up threes that I really think he hasn't been doing as much lately, and he was also making those shots. So I think that was one of the more promising things um from that game uh rebounding again was a, a big issue for them though uh, turnovers uh it seemed like there were some hustle plays um boxing out issues on uh on rebounds i indiana had at least two real easy tip-ins after a missed shot um so maryland needs to you know, I don't know how much of this they're going to be able to clean up in, you know, the next couple weeks. And they're they're capable. They're a really talented team, but they have some things that just aren't going to get fixed. And hopefully they can overcome those things with uh, superior shooting. But if not, then, you know, they could get into some sort of trouble or find themselves in a really close game early on.
0: I'm going to basically chalk up all of the problems we've just thought ta- you just talked about, Dave, as Things that are going to pop up, probably, and we can't really – we can complain about them, but to get worried about them now is – it's kind of worthless because they're probably going to happen anyway. Thomas, I want your perspective on that game and then Maryland's season from a more neutral perspective. You see Maryland fans panicking and jumping off the ledge (laughs) after stuff like the Indiana game, which there's reasons to be angry and there's reasons to be angsty. But Indiana's really good, as surprising as that is and as hard for me to say as that is. Uh, but first, what are your neutral perspectives on first that that game and then Maryland season overall?
2: Yeah, I, I think you know Maryland fans might be a little bit uh, how do I want to say it? You know, they haven't an, haven't an experienced playing in Assembly Hall a lot. Uh, not to say Indiana's an unbeatable there, but I think. Uh, I have, you know, I haven't seen a statistical breakdown or anything, but Indiana always plays out of their minds in that building, especially for for big games. I mean, even a couple years ago when they were that uh, like bubble team, I, th- I think they ended up as like a ten seed or something like that. But um, you know, they were beating Wisconsin, they were beating top you know top five top ten type of teams when they beat Uh, kentucky
0: sorry to interrupt you but when kentucky has a one a couple when kentucky was number one over that all that crazy buzzer beater shot was that the year they were a number one seed or was that the year when they were like a bubble team i can't remember
2: which uh that was actually the year before they were the one um they actually went in with a pretty decent seeding. i i'm not sure where they ended up but they made the sweet 16 that year but um you know, I, I think my my big point is just that's a really tough environment to play in. Um, I, I think Indiana plays better there than they even are as a team. Um, but with with that kind of in uh, in mind, on the record so to speak, um, I think Maryland. You know, I, I agree with Dave. They had some positives, they had some negatives. I think Melo Trimble sort of getting back into his groove was a was a big positive, but um indiana just lit him up <laughs> uh defensively you know they got 1.2 uh seven points per possession uh and, and typically troy williams is a big indicator of you know if indiana's getting out in transition uh you mentioned the tippins you know he's he's always kills people with those but um yeah you know he had a big game and, and and I, I don't necessarily think it's a it's a panic type of game. I know uh, Maryland fans may not agree with that opinion. They don't. <laughs> Trust but, me, they don't. Yeah, but I, I I think that's one of those where you know it might you know it probably fell at a bad time for Maryland. But uh, that's probably a loss for almost anyone. I mean, Indiana is undefeated at home this year, but. Um, as far as Maryland overall, I, I still think this is a really good team. They they clearly have flaws here and there. You know their lineup. I don't think is necessarily the the best fit. Um, you know, a lot of people have talked about that. Maybe Jake Layman fits better at the four. You know, at this level than the three. Um, you know, I guess that's up for debate. But I still think this is a good team. I still think they. Uh, they still are top five you know, in the country in terms of talent uh, and depth, and I, think, uh, I still think this is a dangerous team in March. I'm not sure how they factor into the Big Ten tournament here, but uh, I, I still wouldn't be shocked to see this team uh, go deep.
0: It's interesting you talk about Indiana as a great team at home because you could almost say the same about Maryland. They play above their level at Xfinity Center than they do on the road because they're not a very good road team. We mentioned last week they haven't won a road game against a ranked team in eight years. That includes the ACC days. The last time they beat a road team, uh, beat a team on the road, excuse me, that was ranked was actually number one North Carolina back in January of 2008. So it's been a while. And Maryland in the Big Ten has only one home loss in conference play. So that's kind of quite a lot of it. There's a, something, Dave, that I've been thinking about in the last couple of days after the loss against Indiana. And that's the idea that maybe with all of this talent that Maryland has, and they have so much of it. Maybe it just doesn't fit together, and no matter what Mark Turgeon does, and you can have complaints about how he runs his team on offense, maybe some of the talent just doesn't fit together, and no matter what you do, you can't fit square pegs into round holes.
1: I mean, that's certainly something that you could consider. Um, that This team had a lot of new pieces uh, coming in that hadn't played together before. Uh, Rashid Suleiman, Robert Carter. This is his first year since transferring here that he was eligible. Diamond Stone, um, and you know Maryland has really kind of gone to a shorter bench recently, and they've tried doing a smaller lineup to uh, ease things over. You've seen Jalen Brantley getting more involved, uh, getting more minutes. Uh, so I think they're trying. They're trying to do things to figure to figure stuff out, but. You know, they're facing instances where um, – and Matt Ellentuck is going to have a piece on this soon where, you know, they, they're they really stagnant on offense and they don't appear to actually be running any kind of cohesive play. I mean, Matt told me there, there were at least one time when they had – Maryland had a possession and went the full shot clock without the ball going inside whatsoever. So, I, I don't know – what the reason is for that um i know mark turgeon's a smart guy he knows will forget more about basketball than i'll probably ever know in my life um but it's still you know you sit back and you look at some of these things and you just wonder kind of what's going on
0: it's worth mentioning this because what matt is going to write about is something that i was told back in november i would see people who know more about basketball than I do in terms of tactics and how things work on the court. They were telling me Maryland doesn't run any offense. They just kind of run the little iso, the pick and roll, set a screen for Melo Trimble and hope he gets an open look kind of thing. And there were a lot of times where I just wonder why is Maryland not using their size inside on the offensive end. On the defensive end, they get beaten a bit. They have rebounding issues, but they at least use their size properly. But there were multiple instances, I've talked about this on the podcast before when Maryland against smaller teams did not use its size on offense and it put them into a lot of trouble. Thomas, again, you've watched a number of Maryland games now from a neutral perspective. You don't have the incubation of turfness that we do. Uh, What do you think about all of this?
2: Um, Yeah, I mean, you know, as I was talking about, I I do think in general there are, you know, some fit issues. You know, I think at the college level, Layman probably would fit better at the four. But, you know, on the other side of the coin, uh... you know you gotta put your best five players out there and if if he kinda has to play out of position you know he has to play out of position um... as far as the the running sets and and so on um, you know i i'm not sure i buy into it as much just from the fact that you know when you have a player like Melo trimble when you have a guy like robert carter who who can create their own shots they have that much talent um... i think sometimes when you force them into these four sets uh, it can kind of take them out of their flow. Um, I know a couple of years ago, I uh, they are different players, but um, in certain ways, Mello Trimble reminds me of Trey Burke, who played at Michigan a couple of years ago. And um, if you watched him, you know Michigan and John Beeline, they're great reputation for you know one of the most complex and dynamic offenses out there. And there were a lot of possessions where they would just throw the ball to Trey Burke and, and let him just go to work, and and I think when you have a player like that in Melo Trimble, you know sometimes you just have to do that. Um, I would agree. You know I, I think when you have a guy like Diamond Stone, uh, you you probably need to have a little more of an emphasis to get it in there. But um, but overall, I I wouldn't be. I'm not too concerned with that. I, I think some of it just is you know. Uh, you know, it'd be great if, if Lehman was more of the the perfect fit at the three. um. But, uh, you know, you, you got to work with the cards you're dealt, I guess.
0: What about other teams in the Big Ten that have a lot of talent? Michigan State's got plenty of talent, and they run a pretty complex offense. They have Denzel Valentine, mm-hmm. who's Big Ten Player of the Year, and they run a fairly complex offense. I don't know why at times Maryland couldn't do that. They don't have to do it all the time. You do have Melo mm-hmm. Trimble, who— can create their own shot and be a hero if he has to. We've seen it a number of times. But other really good teams in college basketball have great players and they run what looks like a more cohesive version of offense than Maryland does for a majority of their games.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I think I'd agree with that generally. You know, I, I was talking about Michigan. Michigan State, obviously, you know, with Tom Izzo, has a you know great offensive coaching, uh, you know, great game planning, uh, great calls and out of timeouts, but. Um, I, I just, I don't know, sometimes I'm a little, you know, I'm just hesitant to, you know, rip too much into a an offensive game plan, you know, when a team is, you know, they're still in, I guess, I guess they're outside of the top 25 in offense, but, uh, you know, still still in that range. Um, I, I just think part of it, part of it's the fit, and, uh, you know, as you mentioned, you know, maybe they do need to start running more post-ups with Stone or, you uh, you know, trying to get him more opportunities, you know, for Trimble to pass to him, I guess, out of the lane. But I guess that's that's my take on it.
0: <laughs> it's close enough. It's a it's a more reasoned take <laughs> than just screaming at Mark Turgeon saying, you should be fired, you're horrible, which has happened in the past couple of days. Uh, Dave, one more question I think you were mentioning. We've seen a lot more Jared Nickens and Jalen Brantley. That's the other positive we've seen from the last couple of games is those two are finding their stroke again. They're starting to shoot a lot better, particularly Nickens, who was great against... Illinois, Brantley had a couple of shots against Indiana that we like. We complained all year about guard depth and getting nothing out of the bench from the guard position because Varun Ram was playing and he doesn't actually contribute offense usually. Uh, that's another positive, and really the only positives right now is that Maryland's backcourt seems to be clicking in a way we haven't seen it click for quite some time.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think the, the biggest issue with their backcourt right now has been some inconsistency with uh, Rashid Suleiman. And he he not only struggled on offense against Indiana, but he had some really bad defensive lapses in that game. If you,
0: if you don't mind me interrupting, I'm sorry, I don't like doing that, but there was the one play where he took a swipe, I think, at Yogi Ferrell. I can't remember exactly the player, but he took a really wild swipe at midcourt then got blown right by and it was an easy basket. And you're just like, what are you doing? What possessed you in the moment to do that? And Rashid Suleiman's Maryland's best perimeter defender. He would never do that normally. I have no idea what happened in that instance. That's a microcosm of what happened against the Hoosiers, but go on.
1: No, yeah, I mean, that's, that's exactly correct. Um, he, that particular play is just one of those um, pull your hair out, like, what are you doing? I know you're smarter and better than this. What- what's causing it, but... Um, but yeah I mean overall you know, Mellow Trimble is playing like I said much better than we've seen him play Jalen Brantley I mean I really think uh, honestly I'd like to see him putting up a few more shots a game he seems to have a really nice shot especially from behind the arc and he's demonstrated the ability to get in the lane and score as well And I, I mean I'd love to see him doing that I, I Maryland getting to the line more is something that I'd like to see as well and if Suleiman, Trimble, and um, Brantley can do that, and if Nickens can continue to hit that outside shot, um, that'd be great. And Nickens has shown an ability to to drive to the basket as well lately. Um, you know, if he can do that once or twice a game, just to keep a defender honest, I mean, that just makes him so much more effective.
0: Maryland at the free throw line, when they do well and they get there a lot 20-plus times, they usually win because they're still one of the best free throw shooting teams in the country. Now, before we get to previewing the conference tournament and a little bracketology, it's time to complain about the end-of-season awards for the conference. There were some things that I didn't like particularly, but some of the awards I couldn't really complain about. Mellow Trimble, I think, was second team i don't exactly remember what it was thomas you can you can fill us in on what the big ones were there's one that i in particular really wanted to complain about but we'll get to that when we cross it but first uh the awards tell everybody what they were if they forgot and really what were the takeaways from that
2: um so yeah i mean i i guess you know the the big award the the most noteworthy one obviously was uh denzel valentine getting player of the year um I, i think you mentioned that but um I you know I think he w- he was really deserving for that award, but um, that was the big one. Uh, first team, you know Farrell, Utah, Valentine, Hammonds, uh, Hayes. Uh, Freshman of the year, Ethan Happ from uh, Wisconsin. Sixth man of the year, Max Biefeld. Uh, defensive player, uh, AJ Hammonds. Um, overall, I you know we'll see. You know you said you, you're going to disagree with one, so we'll see. But I'm, <laughs> um, I'm, I'm
0: going to disagree with it wasn't it was defensive, but it was the All Big Ten defensive first team. Okay, okay. That was the problem. I don't know where Jake Lehman was in that discussion, but why isn't he there? Jared Utop is still in Jake Lehman's back pocket.
2: Yeah, I— um... that, that was the
0: one I had—the the freshman of the year, Diamond Stone went in and out, and that thing against Nigel Hayes from back earlier in February, that probably killed it for him. I understand that. I still think Diamond Stone is a better basketball player than Ethan F., but that doesn't really factor into the discussion. But Jake Lehman, not on the old Big Ten defensive team, made no sense. Because when Maryland played his best, Jake Lehman was locked down. Yeah, anyway, it, that's just my argument.
2: The the all all defensive team and the defensive player of the year award. Um, it's just my opinion. Usually they are just completely based on reputation and have no link to actual play. In my opinion, um, and last year I think is a perfect example where uh, Raphael Davis won for Purdue. Um, AJ last Hammonds time. was a better player than. Than him, than Davis on the defensive end. Uh, you know, he's the best shot blocker in the conference, arguably the best shot blocker in the country. Um, and he couldn't get Defensive Player of the Year, but that's that's a story for another podcast, I guess. But um, yeah, the only the only one I really disagreed with was actually, uh, you know, I thought Diamond Stone should have been Freshman of the Year. I thought Hap was a perfectly reasonable choice, but uh, I would have picked Stone. Um, Outside of that, they pretty much had all the picks I would have made, uh, at least for the first team and and player of the year and so on. But uh, I guess those are the – oh, coach of the year as well was uh, Tom Cream from Indiana. Uh, I would have picked Greg Gard from Wisconsin.
0: I think I would have too. Yeah. I think I would too. Considering what that team was in November. But, I mean, Indiana was kind of the same. mm -hmm. So I guess you could go either way, and they won the regular season. Yeah, Dave, I think it was you who tweeted that Jake Lehman didn't – make the All-Big Ten defensive team, and that kind of was like, wait, what? And uh, I don't remember if it was you, but yeah, that was kind of egregious, at least for me.
1: No, I thought that was egregious. Um, Andrew Emmer was talking about it, too. We both just thought...
0: He, who uh, unfollowed me on Twitter, I'm just a little going to say that. Anyway, go on. He,
1: he uh, Lehman, I feel like, in a lot of ways, like his defense this season was just really... Underappreciated, especially by a lot of male and fans who wanted to look solely at his not scoring as much as they would like or um, not making as many baskets as they would like to see. Um, but Lehman's been great. Um, he's he's continued to grow. I mean, he's been here for four years and he's just gotten progressively better every single year. He's been asked to play a couple of different positions. And you know, this year he was just a really, really good defender for Maryland, and it's you know you can't always capture that in a box score. Um, but he he did a really, really good job, and I thought he should he was deserving of that um, recognition. But you know, at the same time, a lot of this is kind of subjective, and you know, as Thomas was saying, it's based on reputation. Um, in a lot of ways, in a lot of instances. So, I mean, I'd like to see Jake there, but he wasn't, and you know that's okay. I also think Diamond Stone was the the best freshman this year, but I mean, you can see the argument either way, and I do think that incident that he had probably was the kind of the difference maker for a lot of people in deciding um, between him getting that award and not getting it.
0: I wonder if those who voted on the award raid our comment section every time we talk about Jake Lehman. That probably has something to do with it. Uh, let's get to the Big Ten tournament now. It starts today with the torturous playing games between bad teams that are there because they sort of have to be. Uh, unfortunately, now, there are no Big Ten winless teams, which would have been fun because you wanted to see them kind of go 0-19 for glutton of punishment reasons. Boston College did that in the ACC, and we almost had a chance to see Minnesota directors do that, but that's not going to be the case. Maryland is the 3C. They're 12-6 in conference play. They had some ups and downs, some big ups and downs this season, and they still finished third in the conference thanks to some tiebreaker that nobody understands and nobody should even think about trying to understand, which means that in their third-round game or whatever you want to call it, quarterfinal... They're going to probably play Wisconsin unless they choke against Nebraska or Rutgers, which would be entirely shocking to me. Uh, Dave, then they probably play Michigan State. That's Izzo and March, and then Indiana likely if chalk holds in the championship game if Maryland gets that far. I think Wisconsin's a kind of game that suits them better. I wouldn't have wanted to play Iowa. I wouldn't have wanted to play Purdue in the opening game. I think Wisconsin's a kind of team that Maryland can beat on a neutral floor. And given a third chance to beat them, they can definitely correct the things that went wrong in that home game. And they can also figure out kind of what they did right in that first game and sort of fix those issues. And and beating Wisconsin is not beating a bad team. That's beating a pretty solid team and gives you a basis for with which to work on uh, for when if they get to the semifinals.
1: Yeah, definitely. I, I think Wisconsin is a, a quality team that's gotten better. Um, and, you know, they would be – a good a good team for Maryland to face a team that they're capable of beating um, Wisconsin is up to I think 26 and Ken Palm right now so you know they're they're a quality team they're they're right there with with Maryland in that regard I think Maryland's 24th um, and Maryland I think can beat them on a neutral court um, the games between the both teams this year have been pretty. Entertaining and pretty close, um, but I, I would think that you know Maryland can can beat them. But if Maryland's going to make a run in the Big Ten tournament this year, they're going to have to beat you know the conference's best teams, most likely. I mean, they're going to probably face uh, Michigan State if they get by Wisconsin. If they do that, then they're probably going to have to play Indiana. I mean, those are just good teams. Uh, And if not Indiana, then it's probably be uh, Purdue. So, you know, these are all really good teams. You can't just normally coast your way into a, a tournament championship. And you're talking about playing on consecutive days and all that other stuff. So, you know, Maryland has pretty good depth. So maybe that's something that could benefit them. But they've got to get past Wisconsin first.
0: That's going to be interesting. Thomas, first talk about that potential matchup. I guess also touching on whether you think Wisconsin's going to lose their opening game, which I highly doubt they will. And then talk about the rest of the conference. The tournament's in Indianapolis, which means it's basically an Indiana home game. But I can't complain about that because the conference tournament next year is in D.C., which is a Maryland home game. So anyway, talk about Wisconsin and then their matchup with Maryland for the third time this season.
2: Yeah, um, I, I'd say you know, generally speaking, you know, I agree with Dave. You know, both both games were really exciting. They were really fun, um, especially that first one where uh, it, it seemed like in the in the final minute or two, it was just shot after shot on both sides, uh, with obviously Trimble Trimble hitting the game winner uh, late. But uh, I, I I certainly think you know Maryland can win that game. Um, you know, with the way Wisconsin's been playing lately, it, you know, it's going to be tough. <laughs> There's no way, uh, getting around that, but the Turps are certainly capable of getting a win there. Um, as far as Wisconsin potentially going down before that, um, I know everyone's going to assume they advance. Uh, I, I think there is some chance they go down. It'll certainly be low, but, uh, you know, Nebraska played them pretty tough, uh, when they played in Madison earlier this year, uh. You know, it's, their whole season's on the line, obviously. You know, Nebraska probably not – you know, they're a fringe NIT team at that. So, you know, everything's on the line for them. Um, I wouldn't be insanely shocked if it happened. I certainly wouldn't pick Nebraska in that game. But uh, there is a chance. Um, as, far, as far as the overall Big Ten tournament goes, um, I definitely think uh, – i know maryland fans don't want to hear this but uh i think michigan state is the favorite coming into this thing i think they're playing it's the Tom best
0: Izzo in march <laughs> who the heck is gonna say no to- i picked michigan state as a seven seed to go to, i think to the final four last year and i was entirely confident of that pick because Izzo in <laughs> <and> march
2: <laughs> true true um but, yeah, I, I think you have to consider the Spartans the favorite, uh, which is kind of unfortunate for Maryland, considering they'd have to play them in the semifinals, most likely. Um Versus, if they drop to the four seed, they could avoid them until the finals. But yeah,
0: but then you know. you'd have to probably play Indiana in a quasi-Indiana home game, and after they had just dunk trucked you, I really wouldn't have wanted
2: to see them again. Well, the one thing I will throw out, you know, is they Redu- won already in that.
0: They won already in that arena earlier this year when they were getting housed by Notre Dame. I think it was Indiana. <laughs> so true, I mean, true. yeah, that that's the kind of thing like. Maryland last year played on a neutral court when there was effectively a road game against West Virginia and they lost. I don't really want to see Maryland have to play an effective road game on a neutral site again. So that's kind of why I was like, "Eh, I don't really want to play it yet. And plus, I think Maryland, given a second chance against Michigan State, considering what they did against them last year, I think they could do better this time around. And that it would actually be a neutral court this time, but go on.
2: The only thing I would throw out as far as the home court goes is – Purdue, I would assume, is also going to have a very strong presence. Uh, you know, they do have the rivalry, so you'll kind of get all the Purdue fans rooting against Indiana who are there. You know, I guess it depends on the sessions and all that. But well, um, They
0: both play early. Purdue and Indiana play early, and Maryland and Michigan State are late. At least oh Pur- yeah,
2: I, I'm just saying, like, if Maryland was the four instead of, you know, shifting everything around, so who knows then. But, um, but yeah, I, I think – uh. You know, it it is it does kind of suck that they have to play Michigan State so early. Um, versus pretend, you know, I guess the Indiana thing, but uh, but I think Michigan State clearly going to be a very very tough matchup. Uh, on the other side, um, you know, Indiana clearly, you know, they're the one seed. You you expect them to kind of move on. Uh, but uh, that Purdue Iowa game, which looks like you know, odds are it, they're going to match up on Friday. That will be a really fun game. Iowa swept the first two uh, in the series, but uh, clearly they haven't played well over the last month or so, and and Purdue's played pretty well to close the year. So uh, that'll be an interesting one. And then, obviously, if it happens on Saturday, Indiana-Purdue for a a second time this year in in Indianapolis would just be awesome. So I... uh, Personally, I, I think that would be a really a really fun story on the other side. But but overall, I you know I think Maryland certainly has enough to, to move on. I think getting past Michigan State is going to be really tough. But uh, outside of that, you know I I like their odds uh, at least to get to that semifinal game.
0: So do you see any possible upsets in terms of say Michigan beats Northwestern? Do they have a chance against Indiana? That kind of thing. Do, do we see like does Ohio State have a chance to beat Michigan State? Probably not. Like, that, that kind of thing. Do we see any, like, crazy upsets? I think last year, I'm trying to think of what happened last year. I'm now looking at set bracket. Uh, Penn State beat Iowa. They upset the the Hawkeyes last
2: year uh, and then gave Purdue a run for their money. Is something like that going to happen again? Uh, I, I don't necessarily anticipate it. I, I will say I think Penn State has a really good chance to beat Ohio State um, on Thursday. But uh, then you know they're going to run into the gauntlet. That's Michigan State, so I'm I'm not sure how worthwhile. They just that
0: got week. killed by them a couple of days ago, or something. Yeah,
2: I mean, uh, and and a little a crazy side note as well. Uh, if Ohio State does beat Penn State, it will be the third time in like five games they played Michigan State. So, uh, woo Big Ten scheduling. But
0: um, <laughs> hooray for the unbalanced <laughs> schedule for having fourteen teams in a conference.
2: Yeah, so a, a little interesting tidbit uh, on that potential matchup. Um I you know I I'd, I'd like to say Michigan could potentially upset Indiana, you know, assuming they get past Northwestern. But uh, I, I I just haven't seen it. Uh, you know, Michigan really hasn't played that well against top teams in a while. Uh, you Since know, Maryland. Yeah, <laughs> well, they did beat Purdue. They did beat Purdue. Okay. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I, and the way Indiana, you know, Tom Crean and Indiana don't necessarily have the best reputation uh, in the Big Ten tournament, but, you know, as you mentioned, it's in Indianapolis, uh, Michigan will be coming off uh, the game the day before, most likely, so I, I'm not sure I, I see that coming, but uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I do think, you know, you're, if you get the chalk, so to speak, I, I think it's setting up for a lot of great games.
0: Uh, What would be interesting is, you know, the only coach that Big Ten fans want fired more than Maryland wants Mark Turgeon fired, at least earlier in this year, was Indiana fans wanting Tom Creed (laughs) sacked. It's the only coach, and Maryland and Indiana fans are kind of like kindred cousins in a way, uh, so to speak. Now, Dave, you've been quiet for a while. I feel bad about that. Let's go to a bit of the bracketology aspects of this for the Terps. They're right now a 4-5, or depending on where you look. They're mainly a 4 uh, beating Wisconsin probably doesn't change their seeding all that much, but beating Michigan State would. That probably can move them up a seed line. Uh, in order to get from a three, I think their ceiling is a two, depending on how things shake out, uh, if they go on and run the table. But if they say beat Michigan State, much for hypothetical sake, do they move up from a four to a three in your mind?
1: Yeah, I think so. Uh, they're going to be a borderline. Um, I they're think they're right now a borderline
0: four or five. If they, right now, yeah, they they're, state, they're, they're probably a borderline three four.
1: They're border. I think they're borderline four or five right now. E- either one of those would not, you know, I'd be shocked if they were not a four or five at this point. Um, if if they lost to Wisconsin, I definitely think they'll be a five. If they beat Wisconsin, then they're looking at a four. If they beat. Wisconsin and Michigan state, then, you know, they're definitely a four knocking on the door for a three, but I think a a high three is probably their ceiling. And that's mainly because Maryland, just the teams in front of them, they can't really make up the ground and, uh, and catch the teams that are ahead of them that have, you know, higher quality resumes right now. And, you know, they there just aren't enough games left to to make up for any um, differences between those two profiles between some of the teams that are ahead of them right now. So I, even if they won the Big Ten tournament, I, I it'd be questionable as to whether they'd be a two seed or not. I don't think you know they'd probably still be a, a high three, maybe a low two, depending on what other teams do. But they just can't um, they can't get higher than that just because the teams ahead of them are are too good at this point. I,
0: mean, I, that, I don't think that's... Oh, sorry.
1: And, and that, with Maryland, before before that loss to Minnesota, you could say that they didn't have any bad losses. But that loss to Minnesota is a bad loss. And, you know, that's really hurt them a lot with the seeding. Uh, you know, before they were probably looking at a three or a two, and now with that Minnesota loss, that's really pushing them down to that four or five area. Plus, I mean, they they've struggled down the stretch. And I know the committee doesn't look at the timing now, but you know, Maryland in the eyes of a lot of people is a team that's struggled down the stretch instead of one that's finishing strong. And I think that weighs in the minds of some people, whether they admit it or not.
0: Okay. Thomas, a lot of the big 10 teams right now, Iowa, Purdue, Maryland, even Indiana are all kind of in that same bunches for seeds. So two questions before we get to the final one. Uh, how many teams is big Ten getting to the dance? I think I know the answer to this. And then secondly, I mean, Michigan state's pro- could be a one if they win the tournament, but a lot of these teams, the Indiana's Maryland's Iowa's all of them. They're in that sort of three, four, five bracket. Any of them break out if they have a big tournament?
2: Uh, so I, I guess uh, the first question regarding how many teams get in, uh, you know, it's kind of general knowledge at this point, but I think six teams are locked in at this point, uh, and that's Indiana, Purdue, Iowa, Michigan State, Maryland, and Wisconsin. Uh, and then the, the two bubble teams are Michigan, Ohio State. I, I really don't see Ohio State getting in. Um, I think they need two wins to have any shot. Um, and really, personally, I think they might even need three. But um, you know, considering that they have Michigan State in that potential second game, if they do beat Penn State, uh, I don't think they're going to get in. I, th- I think they're going to end up going to the NIT. Uh, as far as Michigan goes, Michigan has a uh, very very bizarre resume. Um, no bad losses, three really really good wins, and then just nothing. Um, it's it's odd. But um, if they beat Northwestern, I, I think they're going to be on the. You know they're going to be stressed out, uh, so to speak, on on Sunday. I I think they might get in, they might not, just depending on what happens. Um, and then if they do beat Indiana, obviously they'll get in. Um, my gut uh, right now, I, I I will say seven. I think Michigan gets in, but uh, it, it's going to be by the you know the, the, by the, sure, the, the problem yeah.
0: is we've already seen big thieves. We already saw one in the the Missouri mm. Valley. Potentially we saw one with Monmouth losing. Uh, we might see one with the West Coast Conference tonight. Who knows? So that could be very interesting as well. So and finally I guess on that point, in terms of the other like four that we were talking about, do they move out of that three, four, five range? Uh
2: the big the big one for me, you know, if they do obviously perform well in the Big Ten tournament is Indiana. And and the reason I say that is I, I think if You know, people can look at they kind of had some roster shakeup. It was due to injury, but um, they've really started, you know, on that big trend up uh, after that. So I I think the committee can look back and say, wow, you know, since they they had that shakeup, you know, they won the Big Ten. They either won the Big Ten tournament or made the final. Um, I I think having that, you know, that trophy in their corner uh, for the Big Ten championship really could uh, add that extra boost. Okay, and finally, since
0: we're running a bit long. How many games does Maryland win in the Big Ten Tournament, Dave?
1: Uh, Man, I don't know. Pro- I You could say none, or you could say three. <laughs> well, <laughs> you could say would that. I, mean, me.
0: I saw in some bracketology they were matched up in a 4-5 region with Iowa State, and the joke would be that's the lowest floor, highest ceiling 4-5 matchup we've ever seen. Yeah.
1: I'll say they win they win one and then lose. They beat Wisconsin and then lose the Michigan State.
2: Thomas, what do you think? Uh, I agree. I, I think they'll win one and, and follow the Michigan State on Saturday. So that would probably make them a four, which is great news for everybody who has to go out to
0: Denver. At least there's something special in Colorado waiting for you there to melee your Maryland fears. And that's probably a sign that this podcast should end considering the joke I just made. Uh Thomas, thank you. Uh Briefly, you're going to be covering all the Big Ten teams
2: of the tournament, I would assume. Where can people find your work and find you on the Twitter machine? Uh, they can check us out at uh, btpowerhouse.com. Uh, I'm, you know, we're linked on Tostito Times as well. If you go to like the other blogs, um, you can follow me on Twitter at t uh, And as you mentioned, you know, we're covering every game, preview, recap, um, breakdowns on every team throughout the whole Big Ten tournament
0: and beyond, presumably.
2: Yeah, yeah, and obviously, you know, through the NCAA tournament, NIT, you know, depending on where all the Big Ten teams end up.
0: I should ask this one more question. Is this the year the Big Ten finally gets a national <laughs> champion? It's been 16 years, and if anybody tells you Maryland in 2002, that doesn't count.
2: Um, yeah, screw it. I'll, I'll say yeah. Um, It's just, it's so hard to predict this year in college basketball. Everything's just a mess.
0: Well, Michigan State's playing really well, so, and it's Owen in March, as we said. And, Dave, I think people know where they could find you by now. I hope so. Uh, I do. Uh, There was something you tweeted earlier, uh, a picture for your office today. Was that the Boston College band in, like, the courtyard in front of your offices?
1: They were in Thomas Square doing some sort of practicing for tonight's game. Tonight?
0: You mean earlier today, and they lost? (laughs)
1: Earlier today.
0: They probably performed in front of more people in Thomas Square than they did at most BC home games (laughs) this season.
1: Roar in front of the people in the Verizon Center today. That
0: is absolutely true. We should also mention that former Maryland uh, football player and commentator Tim Brand is retiring. So good luck to Tim in retirement. He was very good on the old Bojangles network, which Maryland now no longer has to experience the ignominy of, which is one of my favorite parts about this time of year. No more figuring out, hey, what channel is uh, Maryland on tonight? A channel that you've never heard of before? It's a sub channel for Fox or something? Anyway. Thank you, BTN. Anyway, thank you both for joining us. Thank you all for listening. We're going to have a big show next week previewing the NCAA tournament for the Terps. It should be a lot of fun. Congratulations to the women, by the way, on winning the Big Ten tournament for the second straight year running. They're really good, but they have UConn in front of them, so that kind of sucks. Anyway, all's good on one side with expectations in basketball. But, of course, go Terps.